AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone, and welcome to AOA. Thank you for joining us, letting us be part of your day. We always appreciate it. Special day today, we're in Maryville, Missouri, at Northwest Missouri State University at their beautiful new state-of-the-art Agricultural Learning Center. We're going to have the opportunity today to tell you all that uh, they have here at this great new facility, what it took to get it, and how it really adds to their ag program here at Northwest Missouri State University. So looking forward to telling you all about this great uh, new facility and an outstanding ag program that they have here as well. So that's coming up on today's program. Also, a little bit later, we're going to be talking with Andrew Bailey with the National Pork Producers Council. As um, we told you earlier this week, uh, the National Pork Producers Council certainly very happy that USDA is going to allow some pork packing plants to run faster line speeds. Nine plants that adopted the agency's 2019 new swine inspection system may apply for a one-year trial program to use faster line speeds. So we're going to be learning more about that a little bit later on in the program as well. So busy, busy show from here in uh, Maryville, Missouri, as we broadcast from the new Ag Learning Center at Northwest Missouri State University. We start things off, though, with a look at the news. We check in with Todd Neely with DTN. Todd, I'm back at school today. Morning. <laughs> yeah, time, you know. <laughs> Kind of all like to be it's back a, on campus. Well, it's a great facility here and looking forward to uh, telling their story here about a great ag program. Meanwhile, we've got lots to talk about infrastructure, of course, in the news. I think it's going to be interesting. All this pomp and ceremony around the signing of the bill. Uh, I think the key now is we're going to be watching how it's how that money goes out, how quickly it gets dispersed, where it goes to, the process that it has to go through to get out. Uh, we need to watch this very closely. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. You know, um, I think when you look at what was signed, a lot of these spending measures, uh, you know, it's it's across like 10 years on some of these categories. In fact, um, when you when you spread out some of the dollar amounts that we're talking about, which are huge numbers, um, and you spread it across 10 years, it looks quite a bit different. And I don't think we know at this point um, how fast the money is going to get towards uh, – designated to go or what that uh, what that's exactly going to look like and so that's the thing i'll be interested in seeing is is uh you know how fast uh, the dollars actually go to work and and whether they can make any appreciable difference in infrastructure um, at least near term yeah there's a big difference between signing a bill and uh actually seeing things happening on the ground that's what we'll be watching i think the ag groups will be watching that closely as well yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of this, I mean, we're talking broadband, we're talking bridges and roads. I mean, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these rural areas have, have a great need. And so the faster that these dollars can get there and if they're spent the right way on the right stuff, it can make a big difference. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, this next year or so, maybe we'll know quite a bit more. Well, we're hoping to find out a lot more about a number of different things from EPA, but kind of got slipped a curve uh, late last week, uh, a late announcement all of a sudden that could have a lot of implications for using products like glyphosate. Yeah, you know, Mike, it was funny. Uh, on uh, Late on Friday, the EPA put out a news release uh, finalizing biological evaluations on glyphosate, atrazine, and cymazine. Um, as you know, glyphosate's the, the main uh, main chemical in Roundup, and atrazines also had quite a history in the court system. Um, you know, we kind of already know where Bear's going on glyphosate. You know, it's pulling commercial products, residential products off the shelves. Uh, it's going to be having that done soon. Uh, but agriculture was kind of left uh, left out of that, and so we we kind of wondered where EPA was going to go. And right now, they've uh, they've their evaluations have found that they're likely to affect adversely affect certain species under the Endangered Species Act. Um, so we're going to wait and see where it goes. You know, there's other agencies involved, you know, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, National Marines Services. Um, you know, there could be further uh, restrictions placed on these products sometime down the road. Well, we know what happens if 
if something's determined to affect endangered species, uh, you set a lot off a lot of alarms with a lot of government agencies, and that that's going to be a story to watch. Uh, that could impact what farmers can do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we're already seeing the Biden administration drawing back on uh, reforms to the endangered as Endangered Species Act, and so I think. Uh, these two things combined, I think it gives you a sense of the direction that this administration is going. And I think that, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge to see where where this all shakes out. And, and uh, you know, farmers have dealt with the Endangered Species Act for a very long time. Um, and I, I think this definitely creates, creates more uncertainty. Well, we still haven't heard from EPA the RVO levels. I mean, the biofuels industry is just left in the lurch here. Hard to plan ahead when you're so far behind already and, and getting information that should have been released already. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. You know, I, you know, I, it makes you wonder at this point in time how much the RFS really plays into the ethanol markets. Um, you know, we're seeing plants right now making pretty good margins. Um, you know, so the industry right now is in a pretty good, you know, pretty healthy at the moment. But you're right, planning toward the future. I mean, the RFS has really been a driver um, to the expansion of biofuels. And without, you know, without those volumes, uh, companies are just kind of left in a lurch wondering, you know, do they up the production? Do they just, I mean, what do they do at this point? I think, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say what's really going on. I mean, we're seeing all kinds of announcements from EPA, and none of them have anything to do with new uh, RFS. And we know some oil refineries reportedly are playing hardball with the Biden administration saying, uh, we just can't abide by the RFS or we're going to go out of business, lay people off. You're going to have people out of more people out of jobs trying to force the Biden administration to let them out of the, their RFS obligations. It'd be interesting to see what their uh, response to that is. Yeah, you're right. And I think, uh, you know, the, one of the things that was recorded by another news organization um, you know, the, the refiners out there, they're really, they're really adding to their own costs right now uh, in how they're approaching uh, production and, and what they intend to do going forward with the RFS. Uh, it's kind of in a game of chicken, you know, wondering if uh, the, the EPA is going to give in to their needs or whether they're going to, you know, side with the ethanol industry. And it's really, it's always been a back and forth between the two. And right now, there, I, I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we're not uh, privy to. And finally, we're going to talk about this later in the program, but uh, USDA going to allow some pork packing plants to have higher line speeds. It'll be interesting to see how this goes because this is something that I know the industry has hope, been hoping for. Yeah, you know, Mike, and it comes on the heels of all the COVID shutdowns and everything. You know, we saw so many supply disruptions. We had producers who were having to euthanize animals because they weren't able to get them processed. Um, I do think that this is a good sign. Uh, just the fact that USDA is willing to go back and restart this program involving, I believe it's nine different plants across the country. Uh, it's been part of a pilot program for a number of years, but this, this comes at a good time. I think it's something that they really needed to revisit. Well, more on that from uh, the National Pork Producers Council later in the program. Thanks, Todd. Thank you, Mike. DTN reporter Todd Neely. When we come back, you're going to learn about the new Agricultural Learning Center here at Northwest Missouri State University. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. 
At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon SpreadSense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon SpreadSense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more. 180 over 111 and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92 and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100 and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it, or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. I'm in Maryville, Missouri at Northwest Missouri State University at their beautiful new Ag Learning Center and working with our great affiliate KFEQ in nearby St. Joe, Missouri. Joining me now, Rod Barr, Director of the School of Ag Sciences and Jill Brown, Director of Corporate Relations and Major Gift Officer as we learn more about not only this facility, but the program overall. And Rod, I'll start with you. Let's, let's tell people about your Ag program here at Northwest Missouri State. You bet. We uh, Currently we have 520 students in our program. We have seven different degree offerings. Uh, agricultural business is our largest degree uh, for student enrollment. We also have agricultural education, agronomy, animal science, animal science pre-vet. And we've just started our new agricultural media program, which is we're really excited about. It's only been on uh, the books for just a little over a year. Uh, but students in that degree area they can uh, pursue either broadcast broadcasting journalism or advertising so we're really excited about that along along those lines so really what we focus in on is giving students those profession-based learning opportunities to get those hands-on experiences and that's really what the agricultural learning center allows us to do uh, they, we have a 448 acre farm that is has been our living laboratory uh, for our program for 50 years and one of the biggest challenges that we've had with that was that we just didn't have academic space uh, to utilize that farm like what we do can today and that's what happened with the agricultural learning center and uh, really why it came about well i'm excited to hear that you have the uh the ag journalism part of it yeah. the broadcasting part of it. we need people that uh, can communicate about agriculture so that's exciting how many students do you have in your program currently we have 520 students uh, we just have an undergraduate program we don't have a master's program anymore um, we really focus on undergraduate education so uh, excited about where we're headed and, and what we have to offer this is a beautiful new facility and while we're in it, it's you still got some things you're still going to be doing here, right? It's not completed yet. Absolutely, we uh, you know we're very lucky. the The total price tag on the building was 10.7 million dollars, and we were able to to outfit most of it. Uh, but one of our laboratories that we still have planned isn't hasn't 
been completed. That's our micro creamery. We have a uh, dairy back on the uh, the farm. And really, from an ag advocacy standpoint, my background's in ag education. And really, dairy gives us that opportunity to talk about uh, who we are, what we do, and why we do it. And that's really one area that we're, we're going to move into. We know what the price tag is. And uh, to, to complement that, of what we do, uh, that's something that we'll be working on to, to get that funded in the future. Well, Jill's working on that already, right? Every day. Yeah, <laughs> and you have a lot of good uh, sponsors and partners already. Oh my gosh, yes. We are so blessed in this building to have such a diverse group of sponsors who help make it possible and donors. Out in the hallway, we have this great wall where it features everybody who donated to the facility, and I love it because you see names of individuals, you see names of companies, you see names of organizations, because it really was a community-built effort in that sense, and it's to be used by the whole community, which is always a good thing, too. Yeah, we were talking about that not only ag groups, but you like to see other groups come in here and use the facility and learn more about the program and about agriculture. A hundred percent. I love nothing more when there's actually a group that knows nothing about agriculture because I totally seize the opportunity that while they're in here, you know, on your way to the bathroom, why don't I also just take you on a quick lap and talk to you about the lab space and what those opportunities are in agriculture and where your food comes from. How can people be a partner with this program? Absolutely. They can just reach out to me at any time and happy to talk about partnerships in every facet that entails. So whether that is partnering in the classroom through those profession-based learning opportunities Rod mentioned, whether it's hiring our students, whether it's plugging into the classroom, whether it's donating to physical space, um, we kind of cover the whole gamut. So that's the best part of my job, honestly, yeah. is just traveling out and about and seeing where those opportunities are to be a really good magnet between the momentum we have going on here and then what the industry needs right now. Rod, you, you gave me a tour uh, of the facility. It's just amazing all that's here. And when I say state-of-the-art, it really is. I mean, this is uh, cutting-edge technology. It truly is. We uh, we spent a long time in the in the planning process for this and, and taking a look at from a multi-purpose approach. That was really what we focused in on. We knew we were only going to get, you only get one opportunity to build a facility like this. So from the processing kitchen and the, to the meats laboratory, uh, the meats laboratory, is, we're excited about what, uh, what that allows us to do and expand on it. Our foundation, when we started the project, said it needs to be more than a building. And that was really, we heard that and we started taking a look at what our a vision was and what what could, how could we prepare our students for the future and the biggest one of the big things that we landed on was our students need to be able to understand the the complexities and the interrelationships between agriculture and food and that was the piece that was missing in our curriculum was the food piece and now with the facility uh, what we have we are able to put that into the curriculum we're, we're starting to look at what class offerings we can expand to uh, but not only for our students but the general student population at Northwest Missouri State University what I I've, always, I've said this the facility has the opportunity to do more for students outside of this of the School of Agricultural Sciences than inside and it has additionally it has more to to offer and the opportunities for the industry and the community than it does for the university and with Jill you know and building those partnerships tonight we have a career networking event for our students in the in the expo center that brings people in just in an informal um setting where they our students can interact with people in the industry um the facility allows us to do those things. Uh, the sky's the limit. We're we're always thinking of new ideas that we can we can bring to the table. And the fact that you're located right here on the farm, I think that that's perfect. And as we were walking through some of the areas here, I mean, you have some technology here at Northwest Missouri State in this facility that probably hardly any other school has, right? Yeah, one of the one of the things is we're really excited about is in the uh, meats laboratory we have the blade step blade stop technology on our meat saw, and that's uh, cutting edge technology. Students wear uh, a pair of gloves. If those gloves come within an inch of that blade, it shuts down and point. I believe it's 0 .04 milliseconds. Uh, from a, from a safety standpoint, uh, it makes us feel a lot more comfortable being able to to allow our students to get that real hands on experience uh, utilizing that. And your ability to have students here and in classroom setting as well as in lab settings, I mean, right across the hall, that's just perfect. Absolutely. Well, and what it does, it allows us to take classroom to laboratory, and even more important, it takes that laboratory to the farm and allows students, um, for example, in our beef science class earlier this year, I, I came out and we're 
asking the students about the building and what do you like about it? And they said, well, we we talk about a subject, pregnancy checking cows and going right back onto the farm and then actually doing that hands-on experience. And with our soil and water conservation class, we've been able to do that as well. So it really, truly will help our students learn and set them up for success. So, Jill, this makes this facility very unique for Northwest Missouri State University. So that's something that hopefully will attract a lot of attention, more students, more community involvement. A hundred percent. And I think what Rod hit on there too is so key is that all those labs are also right next door to each other. So I love it when I'm just over here, even if I'm on my way to a meeting, that you see those classrooms right next to each other, that you might be in a meat science class, but somebody else is walking right out of the agronomy lab. And there's just that natural collision where you're like, what are you learning about today? Well, gosh, I hadn't even thought about that as a research opportunity or a career opportunity. So there's just so much of that can, that can occur because of the way the building is so perfectly laid out. And also, again, right, like you mentioned, right back to the farm, too, mm -hmm. that if you had any confusion about what I'm looking at, you can literally just go right outside and see it in real life, real time. Rod, real, real quick, tell us about the farm itself and uh, how it's operated. You bet. We have 448 acres. It's a diversified crop and livestock farm, truly designed um, to be a living laboratory. So we have about 120 head of beef cows, registered Charlay, registered Angus, uh, kind of known for our Charlay herd uh, across the country. We have a 70 head uh, dairy operation. That is a mixed breed. Um, we became the home of the J.C. Penney foremost herd a couple of years ago that was donated to the University of Missouri and we were able to, to bring that to Northwest Missouri State. 60 South Fair to finish operation. We feed out in hoop buildings. It's a, a, a natural setting uh, that works for us. And then we have about on the farm about 225 acres of uh, row crop and that it's a variety of from corn, soybeans, uh, silage, uh, a little bit of alfalfa. We're using rotational uh, rotation crop rotation uh, from from the conservation side of things and then we rent about another 400 acres just to to meet our feed needs that 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 we have at the, at the farm great facility great operation jill 100%. people can contact you to get involved in it right absolutely anytime always happy to come out and visit and also to have people at our facility very good that's jill brown director of corporate relations and major gift officer and rod Barr, director of the school of ag sciences here at northwest missouri state university thank you both appreciate it we'll hear from a student here at the in the program a little bit later on coming up next though andrew bailey with the national pork producers council joins us to talk about this project uh, with usda to allow some pork packing plants to operate at higher line speeds what that could mean for the industry moving forward stay with us you're listening to aoa AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. When you choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, you're putting proven yield advantage to work in your fields. Extend Flex soybeans offer elite genetics built on the proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. In fact, farmers saw a four bushel per acre advantage and a 70% average win rate over Enlist E3 soybeans in 2020 germplasm trials. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Always follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. The USDA daily export sales notice included 198,200 metric tons of corn for delivery to Mexico. Traders also believe China bought corn from the Ukraine. Following yesterday's double-digit gains, soybeans are trading lower today. The crop progress report data showed 92% of U.S. soybeans were harvested as of 11:14. That was up from the 87% last week. Wheat futures are taking a hit today. The crop progress report showed winter wheat plantings had reached 94% completion. That was up three percentage points from last week, but matches the average pace. 
On the Board of Trade this morning, December corn trading four and a fraction lower at 572 and a fraction of a cent. The March contract down four and a fraction at 579 and three quarters. For soybeans, the January contract down three and three quarters at 1253 and a half cent. The March contract down three and a fraction at 1265 and a fraction of a cent. For wheat, Chicago wheat December down six and three quarters at 819 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat December down nine and a fraction at 826 and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat December down 11 and a fraction at 1015 and a fraction. The March contract down 10 and a half cent at 1019. Inflation is driving up beef prices at the retail level, which may slow demand. Packers are assessing how much impact this will have in the near term. On the Board of Trade this morning, December live cattle trading 7 cents higher at 131.85. February trading 20 cents lower at 136.12. For feeder cattle, the January contract trading 27 cents higher at 158.75, the March contract up 37 at 160.25. In lean hogs, the December contract down five at 75.75, the February contract down 17 at 81 dollars even. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back again, broadcasting today from Northwest Missouri State University in Maryville, Missouri, at their beautiful new Agricultural Learning Center that we just heard about. And we'll talk more about uh, their great ag program here a little bit later on, working with our affiliate, KFEQ, St. Joe, Missouri. That's where folks in this area hear us on AOA. We appreciate that. Um, lot, uh, we've talked quite a bit about this, mentioned it, but I want to get some more detail on USDA allowing nine pork processing plants to go to higher line speeds in a one-year trial program using these faster line speeds, and then they'll uh, collect data on the effects of the speeds on workers and share it with OSHA. Uh, joining us now is Andrew Bailey. He's with the National Pork Producers Council, their Director of Science and Technology Council. Uh, Andrew, thank you for joining us. Um, what do you see as the significance of this? How important is this trial? Thanks for having me, Mike. You know, this is uh, an extremely important trial. Um, essentially what this trial does is give a, a pathway for, for plants that, you know, some for 20 some odd years had operated at a higher line speeds um, to return to business as usual um, in terms of th their harvest capacity. Um, you know, when the, when the uh, federal court struck down the line speed provision of the new swipe inspection rule uh, back in March, um, you know, that went into effect essentially July 1 uh, with the flip of a switch, 2.5% of of pork harvest capacity in the U.S. was just disappeared, um, and that obviously has huge impacts on on producers uh, trying to find somewhere to send their animals. So obviously, the the debate has been: can you have faster line speeds and still have uh, good worker safety? Uh, I know the industry has felt that uh, you can. This will be a chance to to show that to document that. Uh, yes, that absolutely. You know, we've said for, for quite a long time that, you know, you don't have to choose between worker safety and, um, you know, uh, and uh, elevated line speeds. But like we've shown, you know, for, uh, I guess, 20 years during the, uh, the hemp pilot program uh, where this was trialed, 
uh, the data from those plants uh, that they had, uh, you know, showed that it was not there was not this negative impact. Uh, but this is really USDA saying that you know, in a more formalized way, we actually want to sit down and, and run a, uh, a, a preliminary trial for a year and gather that data um, and, and really look to see what's there, you know, uh, in a very, um, I guess, regimented way that really could form the basis of a new rulemaking that addresses some of the concerns that were raised by the, the federal court. We're talking with Andrew Bailey, Science and Technology Council for the National Pork Producers Council about this one-year trial program, USDA allowing nine pork packing plants to run faster line speeds. So, Andrew, can you tell us how this trial will be conducted and then uh, how the information at the end of that year will be used? Yeah, well, so um, obviously there's only so much data that USDA has put out, uh, but our understanding is that um, essentially what they'll do is is plants and their, their workers will essentially come up with a, a plan um, to apply for this. Um, and, you know, they're encouraging experimentation in automation and ergonomics in a bunch of different ways. Um, to, to really set this program up and, and individualize it to each plant, um, and then for the plant to go forward and actually execute that that trial. Um, and you know, USDA has worked with um, OSHA to to develop metrics and the data that they would like to see collected, so that they can really uh, dig down and, and, and get the results, uh, make sure the data they're getting um, is is the right data. Um, and then the trial will run, and, and the plants will submit data to USDA, and, and I think that will be then shared with OSHA. Um, you know, the ultimate goal of all this is if this data comes out and shows, you know, there's not some huge, there's not some impact um, on worker safety, or even if worker safety is better, um, that could be, uh, you know, the foundation of a future rulemaking um, that could essentially memorialize this as a permanent program. Andrew, when we talk about uh, disruptions in the supply chain, this addresses one of those disruptions, doesn't it? Uh, you know, that's been been uh, one of our uh, points of view for a while. You know, you, we lost two and a half percent of packing capacity in July, and that's you know it doesn't sound like a huge amount, but it is, um, especially if you're a producer who uh, who was sending your your hogs to a plant that can no longer take them. Um, and then you know that two and a half percent is nationalized, but when you really look at where the originally the six plants that were running at higher line speeds are located, um, the regional impacts are much more, uh, much more severe. Um, you know, for some in, in a specific state that might have been the only plant there, uh, you know, they may have lost 20% of that state's uh, harvest capacity, um, which can really impact growers in that region. As the country's dealing with labor issues, labor right at the heart of the supply chain uh, issues that we have, how do you see technology moving forward addressing this issue? Um, you know, automation in plants, I think, is, is definitely been coming for a long time, and a lot of the newest plants uh, in the pork industry, um, you know, big, big sections are automated. Um, and I think, you know, being allowed to go faster helps, could help a plant um, actually be able to invest in those systems. You know, they are, they are very complex and they're very expensive. Um, and... Uh, you know, so there's that opens that possibility if the plant could, could actually harvest more hogs. Um, you know, what, what else could they do um, in the plant in terms of automation? Um, but you're right that labor really is 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 a huge bottleneck both on the farm and um, in in pork plants. Um, you know, f finding people uh, that that could actually show up for the job, and and especially in these rural communities where populations have not been increasing for for quite some time, um, it, it's a real challenge. Um, and and figuring out automation or, or, or redoing staffing in certain different ways. Um, even the, the sort of modernizing of, of how inspection is done with NSIS sort of allows you to uh, get more out of a plant um, than you might otherwise have. Thinking how things have changed for years, there was a resistance by some to technology because they saw it as eliminating jobs for people. Now we're in a situation where we can't get people to fill the jobs we have. Yeah, and this has been an ongoing challenge, especially in the pork industry, because, um, you know, as I said, rural communities have not been growing at the general rate, uh, you know, at the same pace as, as other parts of the country. Um, and, you know, uh, hog farms are, are in rural areas, and so that's essentially where pork plants are built, um, you know, so they're close to the farms. And uh, it, it's been a long-term challenge, um, especially, 
given the fact that, you know, agricultural leases uh, for guest workers can't actually be used in the pork industry because, you know, they're always, they're, they're temporary and seasonal requirements. And, you know, pork industry, you know, raising hogs is a year-round business. Um, so that's just not a pool of, of workers we have access to, which is why, you know, long been one of our uh, major issues that, that we brought up is that we need to, uh, we need to be able to find, uh, get access to, to that program and other programs that will actually let us have folks on farms and in plants. Uh, to keep the business going. If this trial goes as you think it will, hope it will, where do you see that leading to? What would be the next step coming from this? Um, well, you know, w- one of the goals of this, uh, as USDA has, has stated, I believe, is that, you know, they take this data um, and they could promulgate a final rule eventually that would allow any plant that goes into NSIS to operate at higher lines because if, you know, they, they meet certain requirements mm-hmm. um, and, and obviously food safety and worker safety uh, requirements, um, which could, you know, really ultimately, I think, expand out plants that participate in NSIS and where they have um, appropriate uh, labor supply. And, you know, like many have said, it's not, not the, uh, just an issue of speeding up the line and playing yakety sax and everyone moves faster. You actually need more people to run that, that plant faster. Uh, but plants that do have access to that, they do have uh, adequate uh, hogs in their areas. Um, that they could speed up, um, you know, for the past, I don't know, uh, two decades, only five, and then recently six plants have operated higher than that traditional line speed. Um, but, you know, opening this program up to all nine uh, uh, NSIS plants that currently exist, other plants entering the program, um, it really increases capacity, which is quite tight right now. It increases harvest capacity at the existing plants. Um, and, and as we all know, you know, we love to see new plants built, but uh, that takes a long time, um, and uh, you know this this could be an improvement without having to build an entirely new plant. And that is a key. We've talked so many years now about lack of uh, packing space, but it takes time and a lot of uh, capital to to build a new plant. Those don't just happen overnight. So that's why this technology becomes so important. Absolutely agreed. So as you look at this uh, situation, I, I thought it was interesting when you said it's going to take people to run it, even even at higher line speeds. It, we're, you know, we're talking about jobs, and are you eliminating jobs? This this creates a demand for certain jobs, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely. You know, there's a huge huge demand at, on you know on farms and in, in packing plants, um, in the pork industry, and really across the entire livestock industry. Um, and you know, not not all plants can you know have enough hogs where they're located to speed up or have enough labor where they are uh to go much faster um and and it may take some some automation but you know for the five or for the six plants that were that did have to slow down in july um you know we know those plants can go faster and and if things go well they can uh, retain enough workers um from, from their areas um and uh, we know that capacity has essentially been sitting idle since the, the court decision was implemented. Um, but I think it'd be, it, it could be a really good uh, positive development at other plants. Yeah, that's why this trial could be a game changer for the industry moving forward. We'll watch it closely. Good to talk with you. Thanks for the update, Andrew. Thank you, Rick. Andrew Bailey, Science and Technology Council for the National Pork Producers Council. All right. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up here at Northwest Missouri State University at their Agricultural Learning Center. We'll talk with one of the students in the ag program here and talk about the significance of this uh, facility and this program in this area of Northwest Missouri. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. 
But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We, we win. We, 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 we are, are the, the foundation, foundation fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate Digital Agronomy Platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Let's Talk isn't just an invitation, it's how we do business. Our experts at FS AgriFinance believe that a meaningful conversation is the best way to help our customers reach their financial goals. We'll show you how to use financing as a risk management tool to help spread your costs and manage your cash flow. We know agriculture and are focused on what's ahead to make sure you're ready for it. Talk with your FS AgriFinance specialist at your local FS member company today. FS, bringing you what's next. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. And today we're talking with Justin Fries, senior merchandiser with CHS, about slowing soybean demand from China and what this means for U.S. farmers. Well, Justin, we know everything kind of rotates and revolves around business with China when it comes to the ag markets. That's so key. What's the latest that you're seeing and hearing on Chinese demand for our soybean? USDA released its monthly supply and demand report, the WASI report. And in that report, it revised the Chinese demand number. So it revised the number from 101 million tons down to 100 million tons. You never want to see your demand going lower. However, it did bring you know some great opportunities for the U.S. It still is 1 million tons higher you know, than year on year. We still do see China very active in U.S. exports. 60% of all of our committed exports are to China. So we still have a healthy diet to China. We know the South American growing season is off to a pretty good start. They've been able to get moisture there. What does this mean, you think, for global supplies? Well, the way I'd summarize this here, the world just feels very comfortable. And there's really three things I'd like to touch on on that. We're coming off of a record crop in Brazil of 138 million tons one year ago. So what that did is it kind of snuck into the heart of U.S. export program. So it kind of shortened the U.S. window for opportunities. Brazil is about 75% planted with the current crop here that's going to the ground right now. So that's about 20% better than ahead of pace from year on year and about 10% higher you know, versus a three-year average. So with really no major threats, you know, the USDA is projecting 144 million ton crop again. So it's projected record crop followed by another record crop. So what that's done for the U.S. balance sheet is the USDA took about 40 million bushels of exports out of the U.S. export program. And that number has kind of slid into the carryout. All right, Justin, thanks. That's Justin Fries, Senior Merchandiser with CHS. And thanks for joining us around the table. Learn more about the benefits of cooperative ownership at cooperativeownership.com. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
And welcome back. We're here at Northwest Missouri State University in Maryville, Missouri at their beautiful new Agricultural Learning Center. We've learned a lot about uh, the ag program here. One of the uh, students in this program, a senior, is Ryan Shervington. He's a senior ag ed major. And Ryan, uh, here you are about to wrap up uh, your time here, maybe, at, uh, at the college. And now you got a beautiful new facility. What's, what's this like? It's definitely amazing to have this facility on campus. Um, it allows us to do stuff we've never been able to do um, here at the School of Ag Sciences. Um, everything from having an academic space at the farm, new lab equipment. Um, it's really going to be something that I'm kind of jealous of the younger <laughs> students that get to spend a little more time here. You have quite a story. You're, you're from down around the Springfield, Missouri area. Yep. Did not actually grow up on a farm. How did you wind up in the ag program? So um, I didn't grow up on a farm. Always knew that agriculture was something that I was interested in. Um, I was always that kid that played with the cows and the tractors and stuff um, at home. Um, but I kind of really got into it in high school and in my ag education program. I mean, that's kind of what inspired me to teach ag, um, potentially as a career option um, after I graduate. Um, but I kind of got into it, decided, you know what, Northwest is the place for me um, to really have that hands-on agriculture experience. I mean, I kind of now have that passion for agriculture. I know whatever I do after I graduate will have some tie to agriculture. So someone else thinking about maybe coming here to school, what would you say to them? I would say um, it is a great place to go to school. Um, I always tell people um, I liked Northwest before I came here, and now I love it, and I don't want to leave. Um, I always like to say it's that Division One school at the Division Two size and cost. So um, it's a smaller school um, with a little cheaper cost than some of those bigger institutions, and you really get that hands-on um, application to your learning. Um, it's not going to be somewhere where it's all research-based. You're actually going to go out do something in a classroom and then you're going to have that hands-on application to it which is something that I needed coming from a non-farm background. And then a facility like this just adds that takes it to another level doesn't it? It really does. Um, I was like I mentioned earlier um, we in my livestock evaluation class um, that I'm actually about to go to we will talk about something in class and then we'll go out up to the farm which is 100 yards away and then we'll actually judge a class of livestock which is super helpful um, because a lot of students may not have actual experience judging. So you might get into teaching but you're not sure yet. Yeah so teaching is definitely an option. Um, I know there's a lot of options out there for me um, that I've got because of my time at Northwest and um, so I really want, want to keep my options open. Of course teaching is always going to be that background that fallback. Um, I always know that I have a passion for the classroom and teaching agriculture and inspiring students just like I got inspired to join agriculture and I think there is a m misconception a lot with agriculture and I kind of want to be that for somebody whether it's in a classroom setting of education or whether it's lobbying for organizations or whatever it is I always want to have kind of that education and teaching people about agriculture. Well your story is a good one it's it's kind of the what we use as an example to tell young people that agriculture can open a lot of different doors and you don't have to be from a farm uh, to go through some of those doors and if it, it prepares you for so many different things doesn't it? It really does um, no matter what you go into there's so many sectors of agriculture and I think a lot of people not in agriculture don't really realize the extent of what agriculture is I mean everything you look at in this room has some tie to agriculture everything you look at throughout your day everything you interact with has some direct tie to agriculture in it. And as we learned here, one of the things that this facility is allowing now to make that connection with agriculture and food, which people then can re obviously relate to, right? Exactly. Everybody eats every single day, hopefully three times a day. And if you're like me, I eat a little bit more than that. Um, you don't look it. I don't look it, <laughs> but I do eat more than that. Um, so there is so much that can impact every single person on this planet in agriculture. And I think, as you said, this program allows a hands-on experience for students. Yeah, so um, something that I knew I wanted was a hands-on experience. So you're going to talk about it, and then you're actually going to apply it in a real-world setting. You're going to have that profession-based learning experience that we um, highlight so much. You'll hear this saying at Northwest, career ready day one, and I think it really is true because we have the skills we need to go into whatever career we're going into. And even though it, you want the program to grow, it's still at a size you don't kind of get lost in the in the numbers, do you? Yeah, so you, you're an actual person here. People know you. The director knows me. I mean, we can go talk um, to any of the professors at any time. I mean, they're going to be there to help you with whatever you need, whether it's academics, whether it's, hey, I need a 
place to go eat dinner tonight. I need my car fixed. You have the connections here at Northwest. And even like tomorrow, I have dinner with the president at his house. So like there's so many opportunities here and that I'm not sure I would have got necessarily at another institution. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful program and a great facility. I mentioned that we're working with our affiliate KFEQ in nearby St. Joe, Missouri. Their farm director, Dion Bertling, is with us. Dion, you've, you've covered this, uh, this facility since it started, right? Yes. What was it like to see the community come together and, and, and have something like this? It's quite an advantage for this region. It really is. And when we came, I was we were all surprised at how many people came out. It was much bigger than we expected. We had to park far, quite a ways away. And I learned so much just from listening to the speeches of the different Dr. Rod Barr and just some of the things that they talked about was awesome. And there was tractors in the building and even some Guernsey calves so yeah it was a really neat experience. And when you can attract students um, like Ryan in uh, some of those students may wind up staying in this community I mean it, it's very important for the community for the region for businesses it's a very important asset to have. I think so yes. And a, fa a facility like this will always get put to good use, right? Right. Every, every community is looking to have uh, uh, something like this. Well, I'll be seeing you in Kansas City the rest of this week at our National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention, right? Yes. Pretty exciting week for agriculture. Yeah. So, Look yeah. forward to seeing you there. And, Ryan, good luck in uh, making that decision. Who knows? Maybe you'll be, you might be just running this place one of these hey, days, right? It's always an option. And did you ever think that could have been an option when you were growing up down around Springfield, Missouri? I had no clue. I had every intention of going into everything but agriculture. Coming here, I now know that agriculture is my dream job. Yep, great story. Thanks a lot. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you very much. That is uh, Ryan Shervington. He is a senior ag ed major here at Northwest Missouri State University. And our thanks to Dion Bertling, uh, farm director at our affiliate KFEQ in St. Joe. I am off to uh, Kansas City for the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. We'll have a lot of people from different areas of agriculture at our convention this week. And I'll be broadcasting from there Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Again, thanks to the folks here at uh, Northwest Missouri State. Good to be back here and see this great new facility. And thank you for joining us. Hope you'll be back with us tomorrow on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Every day, DTN and Progressive Farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crop, cattle, equipment, technology, and more. They are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.